2: Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of the IC terms and conditions
3: apply.
4: or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: I'm Sam Eddis.
6: And I'm Amy Nelson. And this is What's Her Story with Sam and Amy.
5: Today, I am excited to introduce you to an old friend of mine who has kind of become a star before our eyes. Uh, Dr. Sandra Lee was a very well-known, well-respected dermatologist who turned into a worldwide phenom as Dr. Pimple Popper with a famous reality show on TLC and she's now recognized everywhere and I am so excited to hear about her journey. The thing that I'm really excited to talk about with Dr. Lee
6: is how she took her career and extended it five different directions. We can all learn a lot from that and so you know she's this very successful doctor who then becomes a media star,
5: a skincare line, a book deal right and so take what you know And make more money. I always used to say that a personal brand is like an octopus, and you are at the center of an octopus, and all of these different things are your extensions. And when I got out of business school, I launched a personal branding agency, and she, before becoming famous, would have been our dream client, right? Because you, and I used to have doctors come to me and say, How can I become a world famous doctor how can i get the tv show how can i get the book deal how can i get the then it was a radio show now it'll be podcast but she actually in a way fell into that and now has so many extensions it's like she can't keep them straight and it's it's really fascinating to hear how that all developed all right well let's meet sandra
6: You're amazing. I have lots of questions. I think I elicit strong emotions. It just depends on the emotion. (laughs) (laughs) So Sandra, tell us about the first video that you uploaded onto YouTube about pimple popping. Like why? Why did you do it?
7: So this happened like around uh, October or so of like 2014, like about five years ago or so. I just started getting into Instagram and I got a little obsessed with a hair colorist and they were in West Hollywood. So I sought him and I got an appointment with him and he had a pretty big following, you know. Now you have to tell us who he is. Of course, Guy Tang. And uh, I went to his uh, his little studio, and I got my hair done. Was, it's like a seven hour thing, so I was there like for a long time. And you know, just thought, well, I could do this. He has his following, and he's a he's a sweetheart guy. He does amazing things, but he's just a guy like all of us. Like I can try to do something like this, and I said, think different because. My world is very visual. It's like a dermatology, you know, skin, and there weren't any real physicians on, on on social media. So I just went back home and I decided I'm gonna just post a little window into my world. And I just started posting some things here and there, just showing uh, dermatology. And I early on I happened to post an extraction video, a blackhead extraction video, and it got a noticeable bump in attention. Like people were tagging their friends and they were just talking about either it was, it was amazing and I thought, well, this is weird. And so I did it again and it happened again. So, you know, you get a little obsessed with it. You're like, what is going on here? Why are people like freaking out about this? I didn't know anything about this. I quickly found out that on Reddit, there was a subreddit devoted, it's called popping. And it was just all people that were sharing popping videos with each other like just random amateur ones, their own pimple. And I was like, what is, what are these people doing? <laughs> and I could also be their queen. I was like, I could just, like, I mean, like, this is like myself. Like I could just like, I could be the queen of this little subreddit, you know, like 40,000 people or whatever. So I like took a whole video and I posted it on my YouTube channel. And when I did that and I put like the hashtags, I discovered quickly there were other blackhead videos there. And I thought, what is this? So I just got into this thing that I happened upon and apparently is much bigger than this. And I just happened to sort of being there at the right time, but also kind of recognizing that there's something there and just pursuing it. You really just kind of like have this fire under you. And I was literally, I feel like I was just putting another video on every day, multiple times a day, like you're just building this bonfire and seeing where it will go. So it was exciting.
5: I remember having dinner with you and your husband, Jeff, around the time that you had just started making, I think it was like 10000 a month from YouTube. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how bizarre it was to have this added revenue stream that you'd never expected or thought about. At what point did you think, oh my goodness, this is a business in itself? I think I started to think about that early on. Really, when when you start to get
7: a lot of followers really. And you realize that people are listening to you and they're trusting you. And I think that it happened in the right time for me too in my life that it wasn't early on in my career. I think I was at an age really that I could think of things really more seriously or from a mature side and realize that this was something that was indeed really powerful and I need to do it responsibly too. Luckily, I'm not in that time where you put things on social media when you're a teenager and you regret it, you know what I mean? That kind of thing that happens all the time. I I really realized pretty early on, I think when when my videos went viral, I went viral like for, for the first time, I think like in, I started that in October and then I had a video, a reaction video posted uh, from Buzzfeed like in March of 2015. And that's when like my phone was literally, it was like flipping because I had notifications on for Instagram and I couldn't even get into my phone. All these people were liking or or, or following me. And you just realize, what am I gonna do with this? I'm not just gonna be pimple popper for the rest of my life and then just disappear into anonymity, you know? So what can I do with this? And uh, I just wanted to make sure that I was doing this responsibly, not making a mockery of my specialty. And not making a mockery of my patients, but also how could I really capture this, this obviously these people who are interested in what I had to say and trusted what I had to say. That's really what started my skincare line, you know, and, and, and really that led to the TV show and all these other wonderful things that
6: um, I'm just so fortunate to have now. You do many different things. Like you just mentioned between the skincare line, the TV show.
7: As do all of us. We, are, we all, all. Our struggle, yes.
6: And also you're a mother and a wife. How do you manage your time?
7: Not easily. I think that's the hardest thing that I have to deal with. And on one hand, I always remind myself how lucky I am. And it's not easy. I just, I I feel like I have a lot of balls in the air at any given moment. I feel like I fly in by helicopter and they don't even like, it's like a slow roll hover and I just jump out and go running like every day. I mean, I just finished four days of taping for the TLC show yesterday. So today is actually my weekend sort of thing, so to speak, you know, before I go back to work. So just a lot of different things, but we just do it. You know, there's certain personalities that want to be like, sort of seek out that kind of thing. All the games I play, which is so silly, actually, I play games on my phone and they're all games about time management. They're all games about like Sally's spot. Like you're trying to like, you know, juggle these people coming to the store and they're all happy or you're trying to you know, raise crops and feed people in a certain amount of time and
5: like all... Hold on. Wait a second. You're playing games on your... Like when? You're playing games on your phone and you're also managing other people's time in the game? (laughs) What? That sounds like hell. (laughs) I I don't know. I think I thrive on that for some
7: weird reason. I like Things to be having things, multiple things coming at me and I'm trying to juggle them all and, and like catch them all at the same time. That is some, for some reason, I like that. Of course I don't always, I complain about it a lot, but I like
5: it too. It's really weird. When in your day are you playing these games?
7: I was playing one right now and so silly because it's like in 14 minutes I have to get this crop before I get,
5: and I was like, that's going to be during the time that I'm in this lecture. <laughs> Isn't that not weird? It's really funny. And and what about your boys? So talk to us about parenting and your relationship to your boys and how they view your career.
7: I don't really talk about it with them. I mean they know about it and they've seen it certainly The weirdest thing about this is when you get recognized by people that, you know, you don't know, and they approach you, and they're always so nice and everything, but it's really weird when your kids are there, too, because then they'll ask my kid to take a picture of us. I just don't talk about it. I think the most important thing and having to do with maybe just being older and doing this, too, it's really important for me not to think of myself as different or how my kids think about me as different or special because of this. Actually, I feel like superstitious that that will make me lose it almost in a way because I think that that's part of what makes me enduring or makes this work is that I'm a real person just like everybody else that follows me. They feel that I'm just like them. So, and I am. They'll hear things here and there, especially when we're talking about businesses. You know, We're talking about my skincare line. We have big meetings with people. And my husband, too. he's, you know, my partner at work and partner in all of this. And so they hear about things. and they see that. But I don't talk about it. And they don't watch the show really. Nor do I. I don't try to watch the show. I don't, we don't all, all like, let's go watch me, you know, on TV together. One of them can't stand it, which is totally fine. I understand he can't watch it. And the other one kind of watches it just to make me feel better. But I'm, he's also <laughs> not watching it. But either am I. It's not like I'm like, oh, I must watch myself, you know, or watch this pimple popping video because I'm not like a big pimple popper watcher
6: myself. You mentioned that you work with your husband, and you have worked with your husband for a very long time. Yes, long time. (laughs) What went into the decision to going into practice together? Because we're both in the same specialty, really, I think that it's just natural to do
7: that. Um, I think it's really worked out well, mainly because we complement each other really well. Our strengths are really kind of opposite and they work well together. I mean, like he's really meticulous. Read every word in a contract, which is what I need because I will not do that. Like I can't even like pay attention that, you know, because I'm playing my games at the same time, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so really we complement each other. Well, he runs the business, like the work, our work business. He certainly is, is sort of like my manager when it comes to um, things that have to do with like the entertainment business I say he's the brains, I'm the, the personality. So I think we complement each other really well. And it's different, I think that the big thing that really way wouldn't work out is if we worked for each other. Like if I had to answer to him or he had to answer to me, Certainly, if I had answered to him, it wouldn't work. I know that. <laughs> because, I mean, I can't, you know, it's just really hard to do that. But you trust that person implicitly because they know that ultimately what they're telling you, if they're giving you criticism, they're doing it for their betterment too. You're a team. So that really is useful. You trust their opinion.
5: Now, you took over your father's practice mm-hmm. and you met Jeff in medical school. Right. Was it kind of like, I'm going to go to medical school. I'm going to find the guy I'm going to move back home with and take over my dad's practice with?
7: No, no, no,
5: not at all. In fact, I've never been the kind of person that ever, I mean, I
7: knew I was going to be married, but I never like dreamed about my wedding. I never like wore, you know, like thought, oh, it's going to be like this, that I needed to get married. I I always thought it was gonna happen, but I wasn't like looking for that necessarily. And he, I think he's much more of a planner and he was introduced to dermatology because of me. I mean, I was more familiar with it and he wasn't even looking at that at all in medical school. Where most people, they would think like dermatology is like a foofy, you know, prissy kind of, why would I wanna be a dermatologist? But it actually is an amazing specialty. Especially if you want to have, in terms of physicians, it's a well-paid specialty and your life is lower stress. And you could do so many things with it. Surgery, there's just so many options with it, actually. And people don't realize that.
5: And tell us the unromantic story of how you met. But it is kind of romantic in an
7: unromantic way. (laughs) We were in medical school. My husband, now, now husband, the way he kind of courted me was in a gross anatomy lab. We'd have gross anatomy lab like two days a week and you'd have your cadaver. It was so wonderful because these people donate their bodies to science. You are very respectful of your patients, These these cadavers. But it's also, we're all like kids just out of college and you're hanging out and you're meeting other people and you all have like little, little pods of um, six or so. And he would come by my cadaver every time we had uh, our meetings there and he would say hello and check out what we were dissecting and small talk. That's how he picked up on me, really. That's how he got to me.
6: <laughs> well, I read an interview with your husband where he said that prior to your media career, you really co-parented equally did you grow up in a house like that? Prior to our career, we co-parented equally. Prior to your media career, this this is what the article said. I'm telling you what the interview said. Oh my god!
7: What? I mean, send me this article. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say he we co-parent more now because he knows that uh, I have a lot of things on my plate and he definitely takes the pressure off. I think when my kids were younger, when they were in diapers or running around, that was because he can't handle vomit or any kind of stuff coming out of any kid. Like he that uh, that immediately makes him freeze, so he can't do that kind of stuff. But meanwhile, we as moms are running across the room to catch the vomit in our shirts so it doesn't get on the carpet. Right. So that was probably more my job back then. And now that my kids are in high school with school and uh, potentially, you know, later soon applying to college and things, he's much more involved.
6: So what was it like in the house that you grew up in? Probably a more traditional uh, house,
7: like with my mom who stopped working. She's a nurse. She stopped working to help raise myself and my brother. My, My dad, a dermatologist, went to work every day, but he has a, this specialty doesn't really require you to be on call at night, so he was home. I did ice skating, I was a baton twirler, I did gymnastics, I did tap dancing. I had like a thing every day. They were really giving us all the opportunities in the world to do this, and very encouraging not trying to tell me, tell myself and my brother what we should do. They weren't like a traditional, like uh, maybe Asian family where they were saying, you must be a doctor, you must be. Uh, they weren't really strict and um, controlling. They were much more encouraging, but also really like they encouraged a lot of creativity. I was really lucky. I have wonderful parents.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing.
2: Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply.
1: I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work.
5: to talk a little bit about where you live because I've always been a bit fascinated by the fact that you live in a relatively small town and you are a giant fish now in a very small pond. How has that been? I really appreciate more and more where I live.
7: In fact, I just posted a picture of it. It's really beautiful. I live in a a town called Upland. It's a suburb of, um, you know, Los Angeles like about 40 minutes away. And I just think it's a wonderful place to have kids and to raise a family and you have space. You can go to, I can go to LA anytime I really want to. The negative is you don't have as many places to go to dinner like the last minute and things like that. But I'm I'm fine. I mean, sometimes I wish I had an office, you know, in Los Angeles or to be able to see patients. And I've thought about that. But again, that's just another thing that just have to take on. And I have people coming to see me, which is pretty cool. You know, we'll get celebrities to come out and they'll drive out to see me. So that makes me feel pretty special.
5: And what about the fact that you are a celebrity in a small town? How has that been? I mean, what is it like at drop off? Has anything changed? I, I, I think if I thought about it too much, it would
7: bother me. I don't I don't think I think about it like I don't really feel that way. Probably the thing I like the least about this whole thing is being recognized. I actually thought I was pretty smart when COVID came down. I was like, oh, it's OK. I can wear a mask because no one's going to know who I am. But then I realized that everybody recognizes me with a mask on. Like, <laughs> you would come up because they, they see me normally wear a mask. I was like, this is not working. <laughs> Uh, we have a house at a lake around here and i went uh, i go to like the supermarket super schleppy on the weekends and have my mask on and then like after the fifth time one of the people work- that work there comes up to me and says hi sandra i've been watching you every time you come in and you're like oh ah, what was i doing i hope i wasn't I, hope I didn't have a wedgie or something, you know that kind of thing. You just think like, what you know, what are people doing when they're they're watching you? And that is a very kind of a off-putting thing to experience. I realize that there's a lot of people who want to do this sort of thing. Again, that I'm so lucky to be doing because they want to be famous. That was not the motivation for me. And maybe that's part of the success too. So I don't want to jinx it, but I'm not interested in that really. I'm interested in it to help me with a lot of the things that I'm doing, but in a controlled way, I guess. I mean, I get it that it's very hard sometimes to navigate or I don't want it to warp me and make me feel like I'm special or something. Does that make sense?
6: It does make sense. If you could go back, five years, six years. Uh Is there any part of you that wishes you hadn't launched into this other part of your career, into the the media and the skincare line, the book, like all of it?
7: I would have to say no. There's no apprehensions or any regret with it because it's opened my world to so many wonderful opportunities. And I, I think I was complaining about it a couple years ago with my husband at one moment, and he said something to me that I'll always remember. He just said, remember how lucky you are that you're actually able to pivot and do something in your life and your career that you never thought you weren't going in that direction at all, but actually use the knowledge that you have attained that is more specific to what you do and what you do well in your career and use it, you know, in this new like direction. So it's true, I'm really lucky. I, I have so much, there's so much opportunity with this. The thing that I think I regret, I, I don't like the most about it, but it's not really under my control is the loss of control that you have when you sign up for a lot of things. I'm so happy that the, t- the TV show does so well and is so popular, yet I don't have full control of it. And that was actually what st- I did not, I resisted doing it for quite a while. I had um, producers, I kind of pursuing and asking and talking to me and wanting to have meetings with me. And I kind of just didn't, it wasn't like a priority for me because I didn't like the idea of not having control over things. You have pressure. There's other people that are involved and there's a lot of things that I have to do because I have to do them, sign contracts and, and things like that. And also there's only a lo- certain level of control I have over it.
5: Tell us, about the actual popping I always say when I mention you to people or if I talk about your show I'll say I feel like the world is divided into two people who are obsessed with watching people pop pimples and people like me who like I literally love you and I I I will never unfollow you on Instagram but I cannot look whenever I see your name I'm like oh my god don't I hope it's not with sound I get it (laughs) (laughs)
7: Well, I'll tell you, I'm the same. I call myself a born again popaholic. I might've said that to you before because I don't watch popping videos myself. I can't watch other people's popping videos. They give me, do not send me like an animal, like a cow or a horse or something with a, or a a pet with like, I can't even look at those things. It just is gross. But when you're doing it, it doesn't ever gross you out. No, because, and I think it has a very much to do with the control. It has to do with me knowing that that person's not in pain, that it's sterile, clean technique, like everything is. I'm gonna put good sutures in there, like you know, I'm gonna try to get rid of this whole thing and. And I understand when I do it, why people love it. Cause I have those moments where I see, oh, that's a really good pop. People are going to like that. But <laughs> for me, I can't
5: watch other people's. I'm not like saying that's amazing. Like it's just
7: gives me anxiety. It gives me the same feelings that you get.
5: Has there ever been a time that you've actually, it's, it's taken you too far where you are grossed out by something you're looking at that you're doing?
7: not really. Sometimes there are smells maybe, but like we wore masks that helps to block them, but it's more of a mind thing too, a mindset. Like I think that we have, I certainly am trained myself mentally and my staff know this too, is you never react in a negative way or say anything negative because it's mainly, you don't want the person to feel bad. They're already embarrassed for whatever their condition is and you don't want to make fun of them. So I think that that part has really trained us to not react in a negative way. And and also, help, secondarily, it helps you not feel grossed out about it, you know? And as long as I have gloves and I have a mask, I'm good. And in fact, the opposite is true. I cannot touch chicken, raw chicken. I can't cook without wearing gloves. Like, I can't touch these things, because I just, it's just gross. Like, it's like me touching
6: something with my bare hands.
7: I can't imagine, because the chicken cutlet is a lot
6: like a lipoma. <laughs> Yeah. What's the conversation with like patients about? Well, when you started, like what was the conversation like about filming with patients?
7: It was really like, oh, well, you have this blackheads because usually blackheads aren't, well, blackheads are not covered by insurance. We don't do them really because it's not like you're getting paid for that and you're working, you know? So it's, I can get rid of these milia, I can get rid of these blackheads if you don't mind me anonymously filming. We film up really close, you can't see. I mean, everybody would say yes because you know they want to get these things done. And in fact, you realize how much these actually bothered people. Number one, they didn't know what they were. Or they sometimes people are older and they can't feel them, but they can't. They don't know what it is, so they can't even see well. To to remove them and they really want them removed but they can't do it themselves so you actually realize how appreciative people are and they're very willing to do that because they uh, know that those things will be gone and then as it became more popular and well known I mean people travel from really far now to do it and they want to be filmed they trust me they know that I'm not going to try to exploit them or hurt that you know what I mean for the sake Mm -hmm. of like video.
5: When you mentioned the the person at the supermarket who recognized you, do you ever see people in your daily life that you're like, oh my gosh, I know I could help them so much if they would, if I could extract their pimples, but they probably can't afford it.
7: I don't approach people. I'm, I, I, I've i never approached somebody. The only time I would ever consider approaching somebody is if I saw something on them that I thought was like a melanoma or like a, like a left life threatening something. But otherwise, again, like I'm not a pop My kid had a, big blackhead on the inside of his ear he had it for a good year before I was finally like okay let's let's take care of that I keep I said I keep looking at him because he, he'd sit you know on the passenger side and I could see it you know when I turned to him in the car and I'd say we got to take care of that but I've never it's not like I got to chase them like a lot of patients the people who watch <laughs> my videos like chase them down in the house to get it what was really weird actually one interesting thing about people recognizing me is that a lot of my videos initially on social media before the show were more mainly my voice that you don't see my face very much but i would get recognized all the time just from my voice so i've had people like in the airport in cabo i was And somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, are you Dr. Sandra Lee? Because I
5: recognized your voice. I heard you. And they like hunt me down. So let's talk for a second about just normal skincare. For a listener, what is the number one thing someone could do today to improve their skin?
7: Well, two main things I'd say, obviously sunscreen on a regular basis, but most of us know that. And I would say um, people know and are more aware, certainly too, specifically because of social media, even more specifically TikTok, which is really big with skincare influencers and things like that. Retinol. Topical products like that. Retinol, Retin-A, which is the prescription tretinoin variety. You know, as dermatologists, we recommend it for generations, really. And it's the number one anti-aging topical. skincare in general, staying out of the sun. You know, obviously, the sun is going to have caused multiple things. Skin cancers, but also, you know, premature aging. And um, a lot of the times, we... As when we're young, we don't really think of those things like a lot of other things. We think we're immortal and we don't realize it until gravity takes a hold and sun and, you know, the the days in the sun take a hold. So how do you think about your own aging? I feel really lucky in one side because my parents gave me the skin that I have. You know, my mom inherited the skin that she has. And being Asian tends to be a little bit more uh, protective in terms of aging but we definitely still get the influence of gravity and, and just like you guys I mean I think we're probably all around the same age approaching a certain number and uh, Amy you know-
5: just turned 40 she likes to to brag about that Lovely. so she does not consider herself one of us Yes,
7: <laughs> but uh, uh, my day is coming up very soon, like when the, within a month. And it definitely is hitting me differently. I feel like um, the 40s are an amazing decade, actually. And I talk to my, I've I learned so much from my patients, first of all. Like I ask them these things all the time. And they tell, first of all, they told me so many things that were right like, you know, when you're younger and you think you can have kids, you're like, oh, yeah, I could have kids and I can have them in my, I was like, I can have a nursery in my office. And if I just need to breastfeed, you just stick them on your breast for, t-. you know, you think like all these crazy things. And then they're like, you have no idea. It's not like that. And you're like, whatever. And then you realize they're right. Right. Like your mom. Same kind of yes. thing. Like they said, 40s are your best decade. Don't worry about it. You know. And they're right, you know, they're telling me too, 50s are your am- amazing decade, So I'm believing them. So that's the thing, you just gotta, it's something out of all our control, really. Um, but again, I feel lucky with the genes that I've inherited and certainly the knowledge probably that I have of um, dermatology, but I'm not like a total skin care, like freak, I'm not obsessed with, I'm not so into all these things either.
5: So Amy and I have a lightning round and we'll just quick ask you very fast questions and you can give us your impulse responses. Amy, you start.
6: What is your morning routine? Wake up and go pee. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that doesn't count. What else? <laughs> Wake up, get on my phone and then go pee. Yes.
7: Finish my little crops or something. Sally spot.
5: Oh, so you're going on the games before you're checking your email.
7: I think I do multiple things. I, I do, I, I, there's a lot of things I check, you know, I check social media, which is like, you know, Instagram, TikTok now, and, then and, and, uh, Facebook, and there's different, different people. I have a big group of people like that are dermatologists actually on Facebook, which is really nice because you get like a community of, uh, people. But as you all know, it's just crazy right now because of the election and everything, just the, the drama that you try to stay away from all that stuff too. And then I have my emails, but I don't love checking them in the morning because then it just stresses you out, all the things that you have to do.
5: And then you like to party. How has COVID affected your life? There's no partying, really. There's no... I mean, I have
7: a lot of wonderful friends that we like to hang out with, and it's really been hard. I think harder for me than my husband because I just... I have that part of me that really needs to connect with people. And I'm sure you have that, too, with your kids and maybe more so with some kids and others, you know, so like I do too. And you, and it's part of just being your well-being and your, you know, feeling normal. What book are you reading? I don't have time to read books. I wish I did.
5: Cause she's playing games. Yes. But I do have <laughs> books uh, loaded
7: up. I have, have books that people have recommended to me that I've started to read or I will go and do the audible Start it, and I can't. I guess I got too many things going on. I can't consistently, but I I miss that. That's one thing that I really miss. I love reading a good book. The kind of the kind of feeling you get afterwards when you just you know you don't want it to end, and you know you're finished, or
6: you finish and you feel so good
7: yes. about it. it. Makes you feel happy. I, I miss
6: that. Well, I have to chime in here, Sam, about the games because I don't know if you know this about me, but I play Candy Crush. And I play it when I'm sitting outside my kids' room because I put them to sleep. And our routine is that I sit outside their room until they're asleep so they know that I'm there. And playing Candy Crush is like meditation at that moment in time because it's just mindless.
7: Yeah, it is. And some people
5: watch pimple popping videos for the same reason. Like they're just something that you deal with. (laughs) That's true. I might do a crossword puzzle, but I get it. Who leaves you starstruck? A
7: lot of people. I would love to be with a friend who's an interviewer on a red carpet and see who approaches me. Because I know that there are a lot, like you don't know who's the pop- who the holic is. And I know there are people out there that are big popaholics and they don't talk about it. And I would love to see them if they recognize me and they come over to say hello. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if, like Meryl Streep or something, or Brad Pitt was like a popaholic and they came over and said hello, that would be so amazing. There's people who have spoken out on my behalf. They've admitted publicly that they like pimple popping, like Gwyneth Paltrow, for example, and she even put it in her show, The Politician. I just did a, a interview with Kelly Ripper and she's a huge popaholic. I had no idea before that.
5: I get starstruck all the time, certainly. I mean, I think one of the things about you is that you're very optimistic person, you're very happy with your life, and you have almost like an aw shucks kind of way about the success that's come your way. What is the dream for you? So five years from now, 10 years from now, what's the dream?
7: I, I feel that I'm very humble about, I mean, I try, I want to be like, I, I, I know that this could happen to a lot of other people, but I also know that I work darn hard for what I'm doing. I definitely have a strong work ethic and I don't give up. I don't, I, I definitely am not so competitive with other people, but more competitive with myself and i know that i have this opportunity to do something and i just want to see where it takes me i don't really know where it takes me but i do definitely know that it's open doors and opportunities that i never thought possible or would have been a lot harder to do without this and i've kind of come at things in a different way you know most people have an idea and then you want to build your social media you want to build your platform but it's sort of like I was given this platform that I created and then what am I going to do with that and it's probably a better easier position to be in because you're really already have something given to you and you just want to do something good with it and feel like my I approach my decisions in a way that I just want to make the best, like the most kindest decision. Do you know what I mean? Like something that's not trying to hurt other people and just trying to put out good out there. I I believe in karma. Like I believe like the things that you put out there, you're going to be given back. And I just want to put out
5: positive, kind messages. All right. Well, so we, we have our final question that we give to our male perspective, Lou Burns. Lou, do you want to join us? Lou's been listening to this interview. I have been
8: listening. Oh
5: my goodness! Are you a popaholic? I don't know. Uh,
8: my girlfriend made me one.
10: Uh-huh.
5: You
8: know, uh, her name is Monica Jun. So she wants me to tell you hi.
7: Hi,
10: she Monica. Says hi. <laughs> uh,
8: she actually got me into it the first time I watched one. I was it was kind of like I was like, "What is this? What is this?" And the anticipation buildup, Then all the pus came out, and I was like, "Oh, oh!" <laughs> 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 but earlier you gave advice regarding. Um, just general skin care. But I think it was more geared to uh, people who are less melanated. Could you give advice to people who have melanated skin?
7: Well, I still think that both products are very important, actually. Sun protection is really important, too, because no matter what color your skin is, no matter what shade it is, you are at risk for skin cancer. Melanoma is not, it is worsened certainly by sun exposure, but it can occur where the sun doesn't shine. And in fact, Bob Marley is an example. You know, he died of melanoma in his, in his toenail. Oh, so, wow. so yeah, it definitely can happen to all races. And also uh, people who have more pigment or melanin in their skin, um, they are more prone to something called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. You know, when you get a scratch or a pimple, you're left with a brown spot afterwards. Yeah. For that to fade. Sun protection is really important because it's gonna help to um, prevent that from staying dark for so long. And retinol is important too because retinol is a product that can help to speed up the lightening of those kinds of dark spots.
0: Ah. So
7: I was really talking about anyone, really,
10: with those products. Anyone. Ah, Okay,
6: my bad.
5: (laughs) I think what's really interesting about Sandra, and I've always thought this about her is like, she's, she's not a complicated person. She doesn't complicate things. She adapts her situation and she enjoys her life. And I actually was thinking about her a bunch of times during COVID because she is someone who likes to party and likes to live large and live a big life and has a ton of girlfriends and is always out. And I mean, this must be a big adjustment for her. As she said,
6: it must be really hard, but I I hear what you say. you know, her, I've just met her for the first time, but Like, one thing that I really loved about our conversation is she is incredibly humble, which is amazing and not common, I don't think, for someone who's been so successful. But the other part is she just tells it like it is. Like, you could ask so many people, like, what's your morning routine? And they'll go into some long diatribe about, like, (laughs) green tea and honey and meditating and and like
5: smoothie, right?
6: <laughs> I go to the bathroom. I I check on my like farm on my iPhone. No, game she didn't and... say I
5: go to the bathroom I maybe she said I pee. <laughs> right, but
0: it's, it's just like, really she's funny. Just like, so
6: this is how it is, right? I feel like she gave me permission to like confess to my candy crush addiction. But anyway, it was was just a really great conversation, A, in terms of like meeting someone who's awesome and B, thinking about how you can make money in different ways and take all these twists and turns with your career and just live a really cool life.
5: Yes. And I think that Sandra's such an example of it. And I always kept thinking that her boys are now in high school and when they graduate, she'll probably become even bigger because then she really can open that office in Los Angeles and do all of these other things. And it'll be interesting to see where she lands in 10 years.
6: I'm sure we'll all be watching.
5: Thank you so much for listening. And we want to thank our production team at Large Media, as well as our podcast associate, Emma Hard, and our male perspective, Lou Burns. And this podcast
6: is powered by Sam's company, Park Place Payments, at parkplacepayments.com and my company, The Riveter, at theriveter.co.
5: Thanks for listening, and please do catch us on our new YouTube channel where we chat a few times a week about everything, and also join us on social media.
3: Hey there.